Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. That's Bluehost.com Wondersuite. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is going to be a really interesting conversation. I have Pi joining me on this episode from Sunday Labs. We're going to go through a whole bunch of things, uh, answering some of the questions from the community that I've had on my YouTube channel as well around Hydra, scaling, what's going on there, but then also go into some of these brilliant new features and upgrades for Sunday, Sunday Swap V3 and also go into uh, Pi's new Cardano improvement proposal that is going to do a lot of things for V1 contracts and also uh, a few of the Catalyst proposals that the Sunday Labs team have as well this round. So Pi, welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Um, I really enjoy your channel. So it's always a, a delight to be able to come on and talk to you. Yeah, and I always learn so much when you're on. Uh, so uh, it's this knowledge sharing is really good for the community. But thank you. First off, probably the, the biggest thing that people have been asking me on the channel is like, where's Hydra? Uh, why, why why aren't we seeing ten thousand transactions per second? Uh, can you give us some insights there around Hydra, and then also what you guys been working on? Sure. Um, uh, so I'll start this off with a disclaimer. Uh, I've been working really hard, so you know, if I feel a little bit less eloquent than I usually am, that's why. Um, uh, but Hydra uh, is live, and you know, is on mainnet, and uh, has been in V1 for a little while now, I think a couple of months. Um, I think the, the biggest adjustment that, that people have to understand is that um, there's kind of a little bit of a survivorship bias here where the kinds of dApps we see on Cardano right now are those that are really well suited for the layer one uh, transaction model, right? And the kinds of dApps that are really well suited for Hydra you know, haven't been built for Cardano because they they weren't the right fit on Cardano layer one. And so it's going to take, I think, some time for projects to find that market fit and find what works well on Hydra and build a dApp specifically engineered for that. Um, Hydra is really good for peer-to-peer -peer, um, long-running connections. So um, I can picture like a really cool Venmo built on Hydra um, where, 
you know, you and your friend are kind of settling lunch balances every day and you don't need that transaction history to be on chain um, or you're tipping your barber or um, I could see like a really cool streaming platform that used Hydra to do like um, bits and tips like like you see on Twitch. Um, but, you know, those things don't really make sense to build on the layer one where it's really expensive to get data on chain, but they make perfect sense for something like Hydra. And so you're not, you know, while one of the great benefits is a lot of the tooling and infrastructure that works for the um, Cardano layer one ports really easily, you're not necessarily going to see dApps just, you know, flip a switch and, and switch over to Hydra because it it really changes the, um, you know, the custody and permission model, right? So I've talked about this a lot in other podcasts where, you know, the reason Sunday, even though we had a working version of Sunday on Hydra really early back in 2022, um, it would mean that whoever is running the Hydra heads has custody effectively, collectively of millions of dollars, right? So it's not really the best fit. Um, and so, you know, the the kind of, to sum it all up, the key takeaways are Hydra is at a version one and is launched on mainnet. And the team is recommending, I believe, um, apologies to the Hydra team if, if I'm not quite right on this, but they're, they're suggesting, you know, hey, this is ready for people to use. Um, they're one of the, the kind of, uh, standout stars in terms of open source development and being transparent about what's progressing and, and things like that. Um, and now it's kind of just on the the businesses to come along and say, hey, we're building a business that wants to do X. Does it fit with Hydra? Um, and, you know, as you think see things like, um, an, you know, just to throw another example in there, uh, a, an ad payment network where you're um, when you visit a site, you're auctioning off the ad space to kind of a network of ad providers. That would also be really cool and, and really well suited for Hydra. Um, and so you'll see companies come in and, and kind of find the right tool for the job. I'm in talks with a lot of people. You know, obviously, I've talked a lot about Hydra publicly. So people reach out to me and say, um, hey, can you help us think through this and things like that? And so I know that they're coming. Um, you know, development is slow. And so uh, I that's kind of where I would say have a little bit of understanding and uh um, likely you'll end up using something and not even realize it's using Hydra. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the biggest misconceptions that the community has, and uh, especially my YouTube followers. They believe that uh, Hydra will be on the L1 and dApps can just uh, use it straight away. And uh, I, I think uh, um, the, the narrative that they understood was that it would be that way. But no, it's a, a completely different solution that dApps need to adapt to and build different uh, solutions for. So uh, hopefully we do see something uh, come out of it uh, soon and really utilize what Hydra can do. Just to comment on that real quick, um, I think where that comes from is like a very well-intentioned communication on IOG's part where they're talking about the technical details. They're being really transparent about how it's going to work. And you know, maybe a misstep on their part of not understanding my, one of my maxims, which is the broader the audience, the less capacity for nuance. And so there's, you know, they've, in my opinion, been really honest about how, how Hydra is going to work and what the trade-offs are going to be. But by not focusing on some of the things that a non-technical user might miss, they've accidentally created this perception that, you know, Hydra will provide. Because, you know, if you look at their claims, it, it is going to provide a thousand transactions per second per Hydra head. Um, it's just, and if you look at their claims that, you know, it's isomorphic to the Cardano layer one, meaning you can run all the same contracts and all the same infrastructure against a Hydra node. All of that is true, 
Um, what it misses out on is the subtleties in the design around custody of user funds and, and things like that, that um, uh, makes makes it so that like, we don't have to go and learn a whole new Plutus to build on Hydra, but we do have to maybe learn some new uh, patterns for building and, and designing around Hydra. Um, and so uh, that's kind of where that comes from. And, yeah. uh, you know, IOG is largely a technical company. They, they, um, I, I don't want to throw them under the bus, but, you know, they, <laughs> they often make missteps yeah. like this where they um, underestimate how people are going to perceive what they're talking about. Yeah, humans, right? <laughs> we, we jump on the little bits that we hear and, and get all excited about and then st- uh, just start talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so w- with this, d- does that also mean like uh, developers are building on Aiken at the moment or other um, smart contract languages, DSLs, can adapt what they're doing there and their learnings there and implement uh, things on Hydra as well? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the the Hydra runs all of the same kind of we call it the the ledger rules. So all of the same um, calculations for how you account for UTXO, all of the same, you know, spending scripts versus minting scripts, all of the same, um, you know, VM under the hood. Uh, so uh, anything written in Aiken can compile down and run on, on Hydra um, with some subtle nuances. Like I don't think Hydra provides uh, like delegation and staking primitives. So, um, they don't implement the things like withdrawals um, and things like that. But um, but for the most part, all of the same tools that we're building now for the layer one work really well on Hydra. And um, and that's probably a good segue. I, you know, I know the next thing you wanted to talk about was Gummy Worm. Um, and so as you know, we, like I said, we had a working version of, of Sunday Swap at Rare Bloom in 2021, 2022. And, um, you know, it was around that time that we were starting to realize this dichotomy, this like, oh, this would actually not be a good product to deliver to our users. It would be an unsafe product to deliver. Um, and so we started looking at like, hey, a lot of engineering effort has gone into Hydra and it has a lot of really good aspects to it. Can we design a protocol that doesn't throw that out, right? We don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Can we leverage what Hydra has built and extend it and make it safer for things like a DEX or a pooled lending protocol and things like that? Um, and so that effort is called Gummy Worm. Um, it's you know something that we've been working on on and off. So like sometimes we have to put it down for a couple months while we work on you know our V3 launch, for example. So we haven't done um, a whole ton of Gummy Worm work uh, in the last couple of months. Uh, outside of our funded catalyst proposals that are contributions to Hydra that will make Gummy Worm uh, easier. Um, but uh, the goal here, right, really what the Gummy Worm protocol is, is can we keep Hydra for execution, for deciding what happens um, and get that fast finality so that if you submit a transaction, you know instantly that it will be included in the stream of transactions and you have high confidence and you can execute at thousands of transactions per second, um, but just split the custody of user funds separately. Um, And that's really intended to be a pluggable mechanism so that you can choose how the custody of funds from users is managed. Um, You know, V0 will probably be something simple like a multi-sig, but that can be upgraded with, you know, a layer one smart contract or even like a zero knowledge proof system similar to what Orbis was trying to achieve uh, back in the day. So um, that's kind of the, the long roadmap for Gummy Worm, where we want to leverage all of that really great work that's gone into Hydra, 
um, for that execution and settlement, um, but just make it a bit safer for user funds. And, and we have to make trade-offs there. So like um, things like withdrawing your funds out of a gummy worm uh, head will be slower than closing a Hydra head. Um, and there will be um, a small, uh, you know, still a slight amount of risk that the some of the, the economic activity that happens in the gummy worm head uh, gets rolled back. Whereas on Hydra, you have really strong confidence in that those guarantees. So like really engineering is all about making trade-offs and saying, hey, what's slightly less important to us um, so that we can get back these in, these properties that are important to us. And, and that's, you know, since that demo that we gave, I've been describing Hydra as a family of protocols, like a, a kind of region in the design space where the, the version of Hydra that the... Um, that the IOG team is implementing is one point in that space. And then we're kind of building out an adjacent point. And I'm sure there will be others. I've seen um, uh, Hydrozoa by uh, George, and I can't pronounce his last name, but Florovsky, I think. Um, and uh, Hydrolyze, I think, is a, a catalyst proposal that I saw that looks really interesting. Um, I know uh, Trim or Term, I, I don't know. I Trim. just read people's names. I never say them out loud. So, yeah. But um <laughs> Uh, he was, had a really great proposal. So like, there's going to be lots of options. And, um, and I think that diversity will help the space. And Gummy Worm is just another uh, point in that. And, um, and we're excited to be building that out. Though I will cautious everyone, it's a very long-term effort. You know, this isn't the kind of thing that you rush. And we've got to focus on you know, the things that are out there, like delivering the, the V3 contracts and um, you know, some of our other business operations. So it's really this background burn thing that we think will make a very positive long-term impact, but I wouldn't expect it, you know, in the next couple of months or, or anything like that. Cool. Uh, thank you for all those updates around Hydra and scaling on that side. Uh, I think it will put um, a, a lot of the questions to bed that people have had. So thank you so much for that, Pi. Um, what about other terms, other ways of scaling? Uh, I know that you put out this Kadana improvement proposal. It's got a number now, which is uh, quite a little bit of a, a you know, confirmation milestone for the proposal. Uh, can you talk about this one here, uh, giving backwards compatibility for V1 contracts to have reference scripts and reference inputs? The main reason why Plutus V1 versus Plutus V2 matters to the broader Cardano ecosystem is this notion of reference in uh, reference scripts. Um, like obviously there are a bunch of benefits that you can get from designing for Plutus V2, like reference inputs, where you can make a reference to some other global state without actually having to spend it. So you can have less contention over UTXOs. And the difference between a Plutus V1 and a Plutus V2 protocol from those features is going to be great, right? Um, you know, so there's still incentive for Sunday swap to upgrade from Plutus V1 to Plutus V2, um, and in in fact to Aiken, um, and we could talk about that in a little bit, uh, and for MinSwap to upgrade, and so there's there's benefits to individual protocols from the upgrade, but the reason that we care as a broader Cardano community really just boils down to this reference uh, scripts feature, which is the the feature that says if you publish your script once, you can reuse that publishing many times. Um, whereas with Plutus V1 or pre-reference scripts, you had to include it in the transaction. So if you look at like a, a Sunday swap V1 transaction, each transaction is something like, 
you know, uh, 14 kilobytes and 10 kilobytes of that is just the same scripts repeated over and over and over in every single transaction, the thousands of transactions that have, uh, of scoops that have happened through Sunday swap all just re contain repeated data. And so reference scripts allow you to say, okay, I'm going to publish this once. And then in future transactions, I'm just going to point to that and say, oh, go use that transaction. Um, and you know, that cuts out that 10 kilobytes, you know, uh, I think, um, the analysis that we did is something like 90% of the transactions that use Plutus V1 scripts on average are dedicated to repeating those, those script bytes. Um, and if you look at the blockchain as a whole, 40% of the, the chain is just like redundant data at this point. Um, and, and so that's, you know, pretty, pretty frustrating. And that the reason we care about that at a broader, like ignoring any individual protocol is because that's taking up space that could go to other protocols. Um, and so we, you know, a lot of people call for like, oh, these projects should upgrade to Plutus V2, which is true. You know, Sunday is going to get a lot of benefit by upgrading to Plutus V2, as are all other protocols. Um, but one, Sunday V1 is not going away, right? Like that's the thing about building on blockchain is these protocols are forever. And in particular, there's a bunch of projects that, you know, like meme coins and stuff that took 100,000 ADA and their token locked it. And then to show their community, they weren't going to kind of dump on them. They burned the LP tokens. And so that, that's liquidity. <laughs> that's never going to leave Sunday V1. Right. Which means that like, as that token trades on the Sunday V2 V3 protocol, there's going to become an arbitrage opportunity, right? If the price changes, somebody's going to say, well, I can get it cheaper over here. I'm going to buy against the Sunday V1 protocol. So like these V1 Plutus V1 protocols are there forever. And, and that's, that's one of the, the, commitments we've made as blockchain, right? We want that kind of longevity. We want people to have confidence in, in what's there. And so back when we, when IOG was introducing Plutus V2, I made a very strong argument. I fought really hard. And, um, you know, this was back when John Woods was still at IOG and he was on my side and he was advocating for me that we should allow a, you know, Plutus V1 scripts you know, we can't give them all of the new features because that's going to be a breaking change and it could change the behavior of the V1 contract, which could introduce bugs in the protocol that they weren't designed to account for, right? So we can't give them all of the features. But I made the argument that this one feature of providing reference scripts, um, the, the script doesn't care where it got its script from, whether it was a pointer to somewhere else or whether it was included in the transaction, right? And so I made the argument that like, at least for that one feature, we should allow Plutus V1 scripts to be kind of satisfied by this, this reference script feature. And at the time, the ledger team disagreed. They thought it was too risky. It might introduce a bug. And I think they were very optimistic about people upgrading to Plutus V2 quickly. Um, you know, fast forward a year and a half, and that hasn't happened for a number of reasons. I think every protocol is working on uh, upgrading, but uh, the, you know, we've been in a bear market, so the impetus has been less and and um, things like that. But um, it, it's also clear that it, it's not going away anytime soon. You know, maybe Plutus V1 protocols will become less used over time, but they'll still always be there. And it just takes one or two transactions to really fill up a ton of space. And so um, uh, I think they've now come around to this way of thinking of, okay, just for this one feature, we can 
enable backwards compatibility without too much risk to the 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 scripts breaking um and uh and that solves at least for the broader cardano community the plutus v1 versus plutus v2 debacle right and there's like uh it, we're basically we stopped dumping sewage into the river um <laughs> for those plutus v1 contracts and and there's still an impetus to upgrade but it it's less of a like public health hazard so to speak um and so I, I proposed it um initially i kind of you know was thinking that this was going to be another big fight with the the ledger team and i'd have to do a lot of convincing so i i tweeted about it i said hey you know your support would be helpful and they were like way more open and receptive to it they said actually you know here's an even simpler way that you know i was originally going to propose but i i thought that it would be too controversial so i went with like a one step removed proposal and they're like, well, why don't we just do it this way? I was like, great, that's even better. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, and it, it's, you know, they did their own analysis to kind of confirm uh, smogonized numbers and uh, came to the same conclusion. And, um, you know, it got assigned to uh, CIP 110, if you're curious to go read it. Um, and it's now officially been included in the Conway backlog. So it'll be the next hard fork, the one that introduces Voltaire and, and Plutus V3 and things like that. Um, it'll be included in that. And so that'll be great. And then um, what you know, from a practical standpoint, what this means is all it requires is a small code change on behalf of all of the Plutus V1 dApps where they say, okay, I'm going to publish our Plutus V1 scripts and then reference them um, to free up basically 40% uh, block space. So it's like our, it's like we are increasing the uh, block size parameter or and the transaction size parameter by 40% without actually having to increase it, which is great. Um, because increasing it is really risky from a block propagation and security standpoint. So um, I think it'll be, uh, you know, it's such a simple thing, but it'll be super, super impactful. So I'm really excited that they were that receptive. That is so good to hear. Uh, I did see the community get behind it. I saw uh, Smog uh, working with you and uh, publishing things online. So, uh, uh, you know, it was just really interesting to watch that process unfold uh, over Twitter and uh, see it being uh, received so well. Um, and it sounds like what, what you just mentioned there, it's not much work for these V1 dApps to integrate through and uh, upgrade their V1 script. So uh, I, I'm, I'm excited about that as well, because it's uh, it will just extend the life of these protocols so they have more time to do the V2 upgrades or even V3 upgrades of their Plutus scripts. And, and that kind of leads me on to my next question here. Um, other ways and other methods that uh, are that uh, dApps out there could possibly scale, how Cardano could scale. And I've also seen a lot of mentions from you about skipping V2 and going straight to V3 scripts. Uh, can we talk about this? Yeah, so um, I'll address that last one first. Um, that may be a bit confusing. Um, I make the, dis so Sunday V3 will be on Plutus V2. Um, yep. The reason we are skipping a version is because you know, we we did a whole rewrite of our UI and we marketed that as like the Sunday V2 UI. Um, and then when we started talking about V2 contracts, people got confused. They were like, well, didn't you just do a V2? Um, and so we just made the decision, okay, the next ah, thing see. that we release is going to be Sunday V3 where we upgrade the contracts. Um, but that's also confusing. It, you know, numbering is hard. <laughs> <laughs> just ask Microsoft. Um, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, and, and there's not... 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step -step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Maybe that's why Bluehost has been recommended by WordPress.org since 2005. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. There's not any major differences between Plutus V2 and Plutus V3. It's not the like, um, the step function increase like it was from Plutus V1 to Plutus V2. So I'm not too worried about, you know, we're not going to delay our launch to wait for Plutus V3. Um, we're totally comfortable and really happy with what we've got for from Plutus V2. All, all it does is it introduces like some new cryptographic primitives that will be helpful for some types of protocols um, and all of the Voltaire primitives. So, um, you know, the ability to have like a script DREP and things like that. Um, so... Uh, in terms of other ways to scale Cardano, you know, on the horizon, we've got Mithril, we've got input endorsers. Um, and if you let me talk, you know, this will be a six hour podcast. So I'll just kind of mention them and, and say, go, <laughs> okay. you know, this is a great thing to Google and, and find more about. And maybe we can have me on again in the future to talk about any of these more in depth. But yeah, there's Mithril, there's input endorsers. Um, I've been he hearing rumblings of a new Ouroboros version that has really cool features, though. Um, they haven't published the research paper on it yet, so um, nobody really knows what's in it. Um, uh, and so I think you know there's a really rich long-term roadmap for Cardano, as there always has been. Um, and software, especially high assurance software, is really hard. Um, and so I think that is oftentimes at odds with the like very um, chase the hype mentality of of DeFi and Web three because it's so new and because people are really excited about it. Um, it's like when a new game launches, right? Uh, everybody wants to, you know, win, win, win. And they get critical of the companies like Steam who delay a release. But, it, you know, it, if you look at Cyberpunk 77, uh, everybody wishes they had spent more time to release it um, yeah. compared to like Baldur's Gate 3, where they took an incredible amount of time to build it. And it came out as one of the best games uh, ever. I've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3 lately. But so, um, so yeah, I think there's a long roadmap for Cardano that, is really exciting and you know things like Aiken and we'll talk about this in a second but you know those are really unlocking the short-term gains we need now um, I've also proposed bumping the memory limits um, which I think we can do without uh, impacting the block propagation time significantly um, which allows us to uh, fit even more useful work in a single transaction um, and so I think there are ways for us to scale while we wait for these even bigger long-term improvements as well all right, super exciting. Yes, I will get you on the podcast to talk about uh, Mithril and import endorsers. I have been doing a bit of research behind them to get a better understanding of it. But uh, uh, always coming from you, just uh, I get really good explanations. So I will tap you on the shoulder for that interview in the future. Now, with the 
Now, I've seen a lot of updates from you around Sunday Swap V3. You keep mentioning it. I've been playing around with it. It is quite nice. And each time I come back to it, I see different updates as well. Uh, so it's, it's, it's good to always check back. So if anyone is playing around with it, come back and have a look again because uh, the team keep on rolling out more updates. Now, what can people expect from this particular update? Uh, is it um, uh, new features being added as well? Uh, what can we see and what can we play around with once you guys launch? Sure. So the Sunday Swap V3 represents a complete rewrite of, our, of the Sunday smart contracts. Um, in effect, it's a new protocol. It's a new DAP that's going to compete for liquidity with Sunday V1 for a little while, much like Uniswap V2 competed with Uniswap V3. Um, that being said, you know it represents seven months of like really intense effort on our part, eight months at this point of really intense effort to um, strike the right balance between scalability, new features, and getting it out and like actually releasing it. Right. So there's still a whole list like you know maybe uh a three or four page document of just bullet points of new other ideas we could have included that at some point we had to draw the line and say you know if we just toil away on this and try to perfect it forever we're never going to release anything um and so we tried to say what is the most impactful to release now so that like in the the next two years of sunday swap so we just passed our two-year anniversary of our launch in the next two years you know the the DeFi ecosystem can grow and and really integrate with the Sunday Swap protocol, while we maybe look at what is the even longer term vision for you know that next version. Um, the the big thing that we've been talking about publicly is the scalability improvements. So right now, the Sunday V1 protocol can, in theory, fit eight orders per batch, um, and then it hits its execution unit limits. Unfortunately, because of a um, Personally, what I consider to be a bug in Cardano, but who the ledger team disagrees, but um, the the inputs to your transaction get sorted by their transaction ID when you run a transaction. And we didn't realize that until after we launched. Um, you know, neither did a lot of other protocols. And then we launched and we discovered that. And what it means is that in order to execute things in the correct order, you need to break it down into small chunks. You need to say, okay, I can include the next three orders because their transaction IDs are in increasing. But then um, the, the next one that should be processed would get sorted before these. So I need to like submit that as a scoop and then build a different transaction with just this one. And so you end up breaking it down into these small pieces. And if you do the math, you know, 99% of the time you could you, like, you'll have three transactions that you can execute in a batch before you have to make this break. Um, most of the time it's, it's even less, it's one or two. And so in practice, sun, the Sunday swap protocol does, you know, an average of like two to three orders per batch. Um, and, and that's really frustrating. Right. Um, and so we've focused a lot on the, the Sunday V3 contracts in one solving that so that we can actually just include every, as many as we can include and the, the contracts will process them in the right order. And that's really hard to do efficiently. A huge, like probably 60% of the effort that went into writing the contracts was figuring out how to do that really efficiently. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to say that brings us up to a maximum batch size of 25 orders per batch. So it's like a 10x improvement over Sunday V1. Um, but 
you know, but just because we're focusing on that doesn't mean that's the only thing that the new contracts bring to the table. We've also really focused on a bunch of features that um, will make like the operation of the Sunday protocol by people like the scoopers and by the DAO a lot more seamless, um, puts the DAO in a lot more control of things um, and builds features that like are either addressing what we saw as a market need um, or making it easier to integrate with the Sunday protocol. Um, and so, you know, Butane, once we launched our V3 preview, moved really fast on this and they showed an example of minting a, one of their synthetic assets and selling it all in the same transaction. And that's um, technically possible on, on V1, but it was a lot more awkward to do. Uh, and it's just a lot easier to do now on V3. We've got a full SDK that you can use to do that. Um, and we've got a lot of features in the contracts that allow you to, you know, route the 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 results of your swap to different places. So if you want to, um, or the the swap itself to be owned by a smart contract. So for example, the um, one thing that was like technically possible but really awkward in V1 that's now really easy to do is you can have a DAO that executes swaps, right? And the the swap itself, cool. both the incoming assets and the the result are owned by the DAO and don't have to be like first paid out to like a trusted trader to execute the order and then pay it back to the treasury. Um, and so you'll, we're re really reaching out to protocols to like, like make them aware of this and like plant a bunch of seeds to say, hey, if you want to build really advanced features, like, you know, just to pull an example um, out of my hat, maybe, um, oh, I want to sell this JPEG token for ADA and have that ADA go and buy an NFT on JPEG store all in one seamless flow, that's something that JPEG store could now implement. Um, or if you want to, um, uh, I'm trying to think about an example I can give that won't give away one of the kind of secret features that we're still holding in our, our bag, but um, basically <laughs> yeah. just all of these ways that um, other protocols could integrate with and build a really rich ecosystem that rely on the ability to exchange one token for another, um, we wanted to make that as delightful as possible. And so um, you'll see a lot of that. Uh, I Maybe I'll give you an exclusive for, for your podcast or your channel. Sure. Um, Sounds good. The plan right now is to release the white paper and potentially the source code on Valentine's Day. Um, and so that'll be our kind of Valentine's Day gift to the, the community. And, um, <laughs> you know, all of the features that we've built, uh, you know, barring any last minute adjustments from the, the audit will be kind of described in there and, um, we've been sharing the RV3 white paper around with a bunch of builders in the community to get their input. And um, I think they've been tweeting that they they really enjoyed the white paper. They found it clear and well thought out and, and they really like the features that we've brought. So um, I'm really excited to kind of share it with the broader community. And maybe I can come back on your channel once it all, once it's all open and talk about all those features. All right. Yes, uh, I'd love to dig into that. So I have to wait a little bit longer to get my hands on it and uh, <laughs> uh, get a better understanding of it. But that's okay. Um, I did see that uh, butane post where they integrated in that uh, direct sell of their synthetic asset over to Sunday, and I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I could see a bunch of really cool use cases for that in the future. Hopefully, um, uh, they can also set the price of it when they want to sell it, maybe in a limit order or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that. Uh, 
you know, you could mint a synthetic uh, BTC and then set a sell price straight away. And, you know, that, that just makes sense. Like uh, you're trying to ride the wave and uh, make some profits. So if you can get those profits, uh, sell it in one simple transaction order, it just streamlines uh, traders' mm-hmm. experience. So, you know, that stuff is really, really cool. And I hope to see a lot more of that from uh, other dApps as well, uh, integrating in whatever you guys are building or what other dApps are doing so too. So that's super exciting. Yeah, we're excited about it too. Now with all this work, you also have a few Catalyst proposals or four of them, in fact. Uh, if you go to the website, you can check out the uh, current Catalyst proposals that are up and running. I'll put the links down below so anyone else that's interested can help support you guys. Can we talk through some of these? They seem pretty interesting. Um, I don't, uh, I have to say, I don't understand all of this stuff, but uh, hopefully you can explain them all so that the users here can get a better understanding and hopefully vote for you guys. Yeah, absolutely. So we have six proposals that we got funded for in the previous Catalyst round that we're making really good progress on, and several of them are close to being finished. So for example, the Sunday contracts and the Sunday audit um, are very, you know, we we launched a, the public testnet, and so they're very close to being finished there. Um, also, the um, one of our Hydra ones is finished, and um, the second one is kind of well underway. So we're making good progress there. Um, the The uh, link that you mentioned that's probably going to be in the description of this video um, is sunday.fi slash catalyst. We, we want to make it really transparent about, you know, what's the status of our different proposals and which which ones are in the upcoming round and things like that. But with with us making really good progress on those, we, we thought, hey, it'd be great to have something lined up to work on after that. And so we made four catalyst proposals this round. Um, so the first one is a UPLC debugger um, with... Uh, kind of Aiken integration. So a vast majority of a smart contract developer's time is spent trying to figure out why their scripts are failing as they're <laughs> writing them, right? Because yeah. there's not uh, really great tools to like understand, you know, what is happening when you execute the contract. It just tells you it failed. Or, you know, if you're lucky, it tells you like, oh, here's the trace lines that we found. Um, but they often give really inscrutable errors or it's really hard to like inspect the state, like what different variables contained which values um, partway through your script. Um, and so that can be a real big pain. Um, and, you know, people are really used to, programmers are really used to a what's called a step through debugger, which lets you go like line by line through the code, pause, look at, you know, okay, this variable is 10. This one is, you know, the string hello and and like understand the state of your program before you advance to the next step. And so what we're proposing is that we um, at least start building that for UPLC, for the the underlying programming language that Cardano uses. Um, And so we've put some thought, we have a a mock-up that I think we've put, we linked in the the chat that shows what that interface might look like. Um, We're planning, you know, uh, this will involve some upstream improvements to the uh, UPLC virtual machine that um, initially Aiken built, but now is maintained by TX pipe in their, like among all of their Cardano rust primitives. So there'll be some upstream uh, open source contributions there. We've already talked to them to make sure that they're, uh, you know, this isn't an Aiken feature. It's its own standalone thing, but we wanted to make sure that it would fit really nicely with the roadmap that the Aiken team had. Um, It'll also be, you know, uh, for, it can 
our plan is for it to be used for any UPLC contract. So it'll help if you're using Helios Lang or Plutex or you know any of these other languages. Um, but because we use Aiken a lot, it'll have some extra features that kind of tie it in where you know maybe there's a line of UPLC and you want to see the Aiken code that it came from. Uh, we plan on implementing that. So um, that's one proposal. Uh, the next proposal we have is, um, you know, we talked a lot about gummy worms. So uh, we really want to we really want to sit down and write like a, a full official specification and white paper for everything from how the protocol works, how contestation works, um, what the wire format for different parts of the protocol look like, um, provide reference implementations for that wire format. Um, and we want to do this in the open because um, what that would allow other projects building to do is learn from our process, right? Learn, see, oh, they're putting a lot of thought into this and they're, you know, discussing this and maybe we can learn, hey, let's lift this technique and apply it to our own protocol or, um, uh, and, and, you know, make it far more of an open design discussion here. Right now, because it's kind of this skunkworks project internal to Sunday and it doesn't have any external funding, that's a really risky thing to do as a business because, you know, it could turn into a lot of work that uh, a competitor could just take and, and run away with and, and us not get any value of it and, and maybe even get to market with a different, you know, uh, protocol that cuts corners, but just by learning from kind of some of the stuff that we did. So it's not something that we can do without external funding. We'd have to kind of develop the spec and get to a V1 and be confident that like we're going to be the first to market with some of these ideas so that we can, you know, build a business around that knowledge. Um, you know, eventually it would be open source, but it would be way down the line. Um, and so we want to do that earlier with a bit of catalyst funding, right? So that's kind of the idea yep. behind yep. asking for funding there. Um, and then the next two are basically the next steps for the Sunday V3 protocol. So one of the big things that we've focused on with this is um, making sure that in a lot of ways, the protocol is extensible, right? In Sunday V1 or in other protocols, there is the contracts. They're all decided at the time that you launch it. And if you want to do something new, it's a whole new set of contracts. It's a whole new version. It's, you know, you, it's a big upgrade. And so there are some really clever ways where we've designed the Sunday V3 protocol and all of our off-chain code to... Um, be able to support extensions to the protocol. Um, and this might come in the form of like new pool, new types of pools. Um, and so, you know, we will probably follow up with a stable swap pool or a, an 80, 20 pool from like balancer, or, you know, we have a, a bunch of really cool ideas there. Um, the two that we're asking for catalyst funding for, because we think they'd be really cool. One is the, um, uh, a, a margin pool, which uh, it allows you to trade on margin uh, or on leverage. So if you have 100 ADA and you see a market opportunity and you're like, wow, I could make a lot of money, but the, the amount that I'm going to make on 100 ADA is really tiny. But if I had 1,000 ADA, I could make a lot more, um, allows you to make that bet and kind of borrow the, uh, the extra money. That's not quite the right term because, you know, you, uh, it's, it's pretty nuanced and subtle how it works, but like in a sense, you are trading on leverage, trading as if you had a thousand ADA instead of 10 or a hundred ADA. Um, and the result of that, instead of being paid to your wallet where you could just run away, right? With 
the extra money that you swapped is held in a smart contract. And then if the price does move in the direction that, you know, you anticipated, you can swap it backwards and keep the difference. And if it doesn't, then you can get liquidated. And then that's just extra income for the, um, the liquidity providers in the pool. And so this is really cool for the Sunday protocol because it allows these pools that allow really efficient price discovery. So if you expect a really volatile asset where like market conditions are going to make the price swing really rapidly, then this can be a faster way for it to find what that price is than a normal AMM pool. Um, and uh, really opens up kind of the broader DeFi ecosystem to the benefits that leverage provides. Um, and then the, that, so that's our, our third catalyst proposal. We'd like to kind of build that out. Um, and then our fourth one is uh, in collaboration with Cora Labs, who's behind Ada Handle. And the idea there is we we want to build uh, a form of permissioned DeFi. So we're in Web3 because first and foremost, we believe that um, access to these financial products should be ubiquitous and, and universal. And we, we believe in a permissionless first. And so that's why we spent the last three years building a permissionless uh, DeFi protocol. But we also think that there, you know, um, there's no point in being, you know, uh, in not enabling, once you have that really solid foundation, enabling other types of permissioned DeFi. So um, things like pools that uh, have deeper liquidity, but you can only interact with them by having KYC. Or even pools that are like, offer a lower fee for loyal community members, right? So you can imagine maybe the snake pool is a 1% or a 3% trading fee pool. But if you've held snake for six months, then you get access to the 0.05% pool, right? And so allowing these um, this as a, a primitive that people can choose how they build um, uh, permissioned DeFi on top of would be really cool. And we're partnering with Core Labs to... Uh, extend ADA handles to be a key part of this, right? So that like you could have the permissioning tied to ADA handles and tied to the DIDs that you attach to your ADA handle. Um, and so it's also on their end, fleshing out the, um, the ADA handle personalization specification so that it can support, you know, right now it's, it's really cool. It supports personalization of your profile picture and your, your background on your ADA handle. But like, that's just kind of a tech demo, a proof of concept. Really, we the Core Labs team wants to use that to attach, you know, much richer data, and um, and this is kind of uh, one path of that of like, okay, well, you can attach your DID to your ADA handle, and then you know that's your one stop shop for if I need to provide or prove my DID, um, you know, it goes through that ADA handle ecosystem. So those are kind of our four catalyst proposals. As with last time, you know, we'd be happy if. A, a subset of them got funded. So, you know, don't feel like you are obligated to vote for any. Um, we're kind of asking the Cardano community to help us do things that we wouldn't otherwise be able to do. Um, but, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to guilt anybody into not into voting for us. I think it's totally <laughs> yeah. fair if you vote for other proposals instead or, or whatever. Right. So. 
yeah, there's some very interesting proposals there. And uh, like I said, I'll put all the links and references down below so anyone that's interested can read a little bit more about all of them. And um, if uh, when and if these proposals do get through, I think I'll get you on again to talk about them uh, as well. I, I find the permission DeFi really interesting, different concept there, uh, KYC and all that stuff. So uh, I'd love to dig into that one with uh, you sure. and uh, Cora Labs to find out a little bit more too. But Pi, thank you so much for joining me on the episode and talking through all this. It's been really educational, as always, uh, to talk through all this uh, scaling side of things and learn a little bit more about uh, Sunday Swap V3. Good luck with the launch. I'm looking forward thank to you. it. Thank you. And thanks for having me on. Awesome, Pi. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, gotta do it like that. You've been listening to the Learn Cardano podcast. Gotta get it hype. Crypto is what we like. But this is not investment or financial advice. Gotta do your research, cause it's risky. We know it is. This show is educational and it's informative. Crypto's the future, really, it ain't no debate. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.